Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We're back with new episodes in 2017, telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and if you'd like to get involved with Diabetics Doing Things, all you have to do is shoot me an email or reach out via Instagram. What's up, everybody? Rob Howe here. Uh, Just wanted to throw some gratitude your way this afternoon because we just crossed over 25,000 downloads all time for Diabetics Doing Things, and I owe that all to you. So thank you guys so much for listening. It totally makes my day whenever you tell me that the podcast has affected you positively in some way. So keep listening. I appreciate you to the max. All right, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, We're talking about all the great things diabetics are doing outside of their diabetes, living above and beyond. My guest today is Erica Arf. Erica, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks a lot. (laughs) And I know uh, you and I had some time zone uh, crossing, (laughs) so uh, I believe you're in Montreal, correct? I'm in near Toronto. Oh, near Toronto. Okay, so there there I am messing up my Canadian cities uh, (laughs) yet again. It's all basically the same as long as you like a lot of people say Canada's like Toronto and then there's Montreal and BC. Those are the three areas that a lot of people like associate with. So at least you're like sort of near. I'm about eight hours away, so it's not too bad. So not too far, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. You know, being in Texas, sometimes it's it's hard. You you get looking at like, oh yeah, there's other things going on outside of this, you know, Texas universe that I live in. Um and I'm and obviously uh I'm I'm kidding, but I think um, <laughs> you know, it's fun to have those different identities, you know, wherever uh different people are from across the globe. No, it's awesome. And you know what? Different time zones just make it much more exciting and adventurous. So here we are, though. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, And, you know, fortunately for our listeners, we're going to talk about more than just time zones today. So um, (laughs) don't don't run away uh, if if your time zone. uh, Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your journey with type one. And then I want to obviously like get out and learn a little bit more about you, uh, outside of that. But, um, let's, let's, where did this all start? What's, uh, what's yeah. the story? Uh, so I've been diabetic since 2001, or I have diabetes depending on which way you decide to identify. Um, I was in grade three at the time. So I was around eight years old. I like growing up had a really healthy lifestyle. My parents are both into fitness and health, uh, really average, you know, growing up as a kid, I was a dancer and a ski racer. So I was really active. And um, yeah, it just hit me on a trip in a ski trip, actually, on a March break with my family. And I just became really sick. And my family just thought it was kind of like, oh, you know, she's been skiing for eight hours a day. Like she's a crazy maniac. She's ripping down the hills. So they just thought I was kind of dehydrated and exhausted. And also at that time, um, you know, hormones start and you start like growing up and everything. So really there wasn't much of a concern to my parents at first um, when I was diagnosed. And on the way home about two weeks later, we had gotten a huge fight because I was screaming for water and to go to the washroom. And my dad was screaming at my mom to not let me drink anymore because there was no highway stops so my diagnosis was a bit of a fiasco but luckily after that um diagnosis actually the next day we went to the hospital and we realized that it was diabetes but um 
but it wasn't a big deal for us. It wasn't a huge thing for my parents. And, uh, uh, and elaborate on, on that a little bit. I think yeah. everybody adjusts differently. Differently, um, yeah. So my, my parents growing up, um, they were always like, you know, do the best you can. You know, we have it really awesome. My dad had a great job. My mom was able to stay home with us and raise us. So we had um, a lot of great connections with her. And basically when I was in the hospital that day when they had told us at that time too, like this was also 16 years ago. So there wasn't the internet, there wasn't all these books and, you know, these outlets of resources that we have now. And I remember asking my dad if I was going to die because obviously there's the word die in diabetes. Mm. Um, so as an eight year old, I was concerned, but my dad just said, no, like if you just take care of yourself and if you know, you just reach out for us. If you need help, like we'll figure it out together, which was really cool because um, as obviously a lot of people know, like getting diagnosed with something so life changing can be so hard. But my parents were really awesome with just accepting it and not putting blame, but also were really good at validating my concerns and my feelings. And I think it really helped with the situation of being diagnosed. So I don't ever remember it being like a super traumatic time only right. because my parents were just like, okay, like th kind of the thing, like this is the cards we've been dealing with. It could be worse. It could be better, but we'll just like accept what it is and, and move forward from there. And I think that's such a huge part of the acceptance piece. Like, obviously, like you said, there's uh, everybody reacts differently to such a hefty diagnosis. Um, and I think eventually almost everyone makes that sort of connection, whether it's themselves or with their family. But I think it's so important, especially early on. Like I was very fortunate as well um, to have had like my my parents were obviously super supportive. And my mom had a nutrition background and and ran a curves for like 13 years. Oh, so, that's awesome. So she, yeah. And had you know been into fitness and nutrition before. So she had done a lot of research. And like you said, um, there's no internet at that point, uh, yeah. you know, real widespread rather the internet as we know it today. <laughs> uh, a lot of questions as an eight year old, you know, just making associations with saying the word die all the time inside diabetes. And I think, you know, you look at it and, and depending on what your diagnosis situation is and who you have around you, you can have a lot of different reactions to that type of diagnosis. And I think, you know, you and I, it sounds like we're very fortunate to have that, but I think a lot of people, uh, necessarily don't have that uh, support system around them or don't have the same type of positive outlook from a diagnosis. Um, you know, what do you talk about, you know, people you've talked to and, and, you know, different ways of overcoming those types of thinking? Yeah, I think too with, um, with diabetes, it's not always a constant feeling, right? So although at um, diagnosis, I wasn't, I mean, I was obviously scared and worried and frustrated and stuff but I felt hopeful in a way because I had my parents support like you said so that was that phase but at the end of the day like I still went through those teenage years of denial and I still went through the frustrations of having diabetes and not wanting to deal with it and and then now here I am you know 16 years later after being diagnosed and I'm finally starting to learn how to come through it and it really all comes down to the people that you surround yourself with. And in high school, I didn't really surround myself with people that lifted me up. I had great friends, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, if I look back and reflect on it, 
I wasn't around those that support system that I have now. And I think that was really the important part to me moving forward as an adult is having those people that you can connect with and moving through those emotions. Even like in one day, I find I have seven different emotions towards my diabetes, right? Just like anyone else would, you know, your blood sugar goes low after a workout, like that's really frustrating. Or your blood sugar goes high after a workout or whatever it may be, you always have those feelings. But for me, it was really surrounding myself with people that understood that those things happen in my day-to-day life just because I'm not telling people about it or because they don't see it. They still understand that it's there. And, and it's that's a, like, go ahead. Uh, and I was going to say, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line with friends, right? Um, between oversharing and, um, you know, and having them be a part of it because um, obviously like friends are there to help you bear those burdens. And I think, you know, a lot of mine, uh, my friends as well, I feel comfortable and have positive relationships with where I can talk about how I'm feeling and they're there for me or they're a diabetic and they understand as well. Um, challenges as a, as a, you know, a teenager, you know, as you're realizing some of those friends maybe aren't the right types of support, <laughs> supportive groups, you know, was that challenging? It was. And you know what, being a teenager in itself is hard enough, right? You go through entering high school and there's different um, peer pressures and everything, but then adding diabetes on top of that, it was really hard. And just like every other person, I feel like you have these people in your life and they're there at the right moment and they're there. They're good for that time. But, um, but I had to learn as I got older that those people that once served a purpose when I was younger, not that they're bad people, but they just weren't what was working for me as I was getting older. And it was really hard for me, um, to step away from that in a mature and positive way. Um, because my parents always told me to, like my dad was huge on having a no drama life. And he always said, you know what, if someone's not serving you a purpose, you don't have to be mean to them. You don't have to make their life miserable, miserable, but you just kind of have to also learn that at the end of the day, you have to do what's right for you. And if they're not helping you, um, or if you really can't help them, then, then you have to kind of like break ties. So that was hard for me in high school because I was really outgoing and I wanted to be friends with everyone. And I, I really, I think, still do have a fear of people not liking me. So the thought of like um, ending friendships in grade 12 after so long was hard. But at the same time, um, those hard times are what make me appreciate my friends now. And at the end of the day, I can still look back and be really appreciative of those people for the, that I had for those four years. But like I said, when I, as I got older, your purposes change and your values change and your morals change and letting go of that was hard, but I had awesome support from my parents that helped me through those times. And that is, it is really tough. I think obviously, um, life in general and growing up and learning and navigating through those social scenarios is always difficult. Uh, last year I talked, uh, on a panel at type one nation, um, which is the JDRF, uh, JDRF yeah. Dallas's uh, annual event where they bring in, um, you know, kids and teens and parents all together for a summit and, you know, talk about, you know, different, they have different speakers coming in, talking about athletics, talking about nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And um, I was on a panel and one of the, it was a, the diabetic teen panel. And uh, some of the people were like 15 or 14 years old and 
just navigating very adult situations like, you know, how to talk to your parents about a high and low blood sugar when you don't really have any problems. It's just going through the day and sometimes you get a curveball and, uh, you know, how to communicate effectively and, uh, and use technology for good and, and communicate and, you know, with a Dexcom or a, a CGM, um, you know, what, how to talk to your parents about what's on it and how to talk to your doctor about it. And as a 12, 13 year old, um, those are really adult conversations. And I was just blown away with how mature and, uh, some of the, uh, you know, fellow diabetics the kids were. are, and it forces you to grow up. It does. And I always, um, I always say that too. I said, I think I'm, I was always kind of three or four years mentally ahead of people and not like saying I'm better than you, but more so in a way that like, you know what, at the end of the day, I have a body that I have to take care of. And I have these emotions that I go through that other people don't. And I have all these doctors and I have, you know, all these, like you said, mature adult conversations that are having to be had when really in those years, sometimes people don't want to have those. So I find that that year, those years are so hard in general. And then you add your diabetes mixed to it. And like you said, like you just sometimes get blown away by the conversations that you have with 12 and 13 year olds. And in, in ways it makes me sad when I mentor someone or I, you know, someone messages me and they're like, hi, I'm 13. Like I found your page. I'm connecting so much to you. It on it sometimes like breaks my heart because I think I like I feel for those people, but I also I think at the same time I reflect back to my time during those years and I I feel for myself as well and I I'm I'm happy that I got through it, but those are really hard years for a lot of people, especially if they don't have support from their parents, right? Or someone at least to like help them guide them through those conversations and those adult emotions that they have at such a young age. It's very challenging. And um, I think now with social media and, and especially Instagram, I've been talking about Instagram with a lot of yeah. my guests lately because it's so open and it seems awesome. to be very friendly to the diabetic experience, I think, uh, in that you know you can tell stories as well as share photos and videos and uh, on a daily basis go through like what it's like to live your life. And I think... Um, I want to focus on that a little bit too. Like what are some of the conversations that you have with people like, uh, you know, through your, through your different pages and different outlets on uh, social media? Yeah. So actually when I first started my other account, I was doing um, a fitness program that people from all around the world do. It's called, it's from Kayla. It's signs or it's sins. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, um, yeah. It's like a 12 week body training program. So I started that when I started to get into fitness and I opened my account for that because I had struggled a lot with body image growing up and I knew that if I had just put that all on my normal account that it would overwhelm me and on days that I wasn't feeling good about myself and I was scrolling through and saw someone doing amazing, I knew it would kind of upset me. So when I first started that account about two years ago, it was for that and as I became more self-aware and I started doing more self reflection I turned it more into a diabetes account because I realized that um it wasn't necessarily bodies that were bothering me um like fitness bodies it was more so um you know the diabetes side of everything so I turned it into a diabetes page and since then I've had a, a great amount of people even like not ask for advice but just say like hey like I'm going through the same thing 
you know, it's so, I know it sounds like really shady of me to say, but like, it's so nice to see someone going through the same struggles because you know that it's relatable. And I think in the diabetes community, like for me, I go on my Instagram and I have my Instagram because I just hope that one person can, can relate to me and can see, you know, how other people are dealing with things. And Instagram has come so far. I think it's the best app on the, on the planet right now because not only can you show pictures and words, you can show videos and, you know, before and afters, not only of your bodies, but of your minds and where you've come and everything. And I think Instagram is so awesome for that. And I just love when people even just message me and say like, Hey, I think you're doing awesome because sometimes people need that. Right. Yeah, I think so. And you know, the internet is used for, there's so much negativity and there's so much, um, like, trolling and I trolling. think shaming and and, Bullying. Just, and and exactly and I think oh, um, awful. I actually saw a post the other day I think beyond type one posted it um, about somebody was bullying about diabetes and the about the amount of medication somebody had it was just this very negative sentiment and so I jumped into the comments uh, and swan dived into the comments <laughs> and I uh, and I just saw like this outpouring of uh, of other diabetics and other and parents and family members, friends of diabetics that had just like commented in the post had like hundreds of comments on it about how negative that was and how like bullying wasn't okay. And uh, just like building people up. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of media about bad, uh, you know, bad talk and bullying on the internet, but the good stories often get overlooked. And I'm just really fortunate to be a part of a community of online diabetics who support each other. And, um, you know, are, are there for each other in, in, in that struggle and can just, um, you know, say, Hey, you know, I had some weird blood sugars today too, or I've been trying to work out and I've been struggling with how to prepare or how to, uh, exactly. You know, yeah. I think, um, you know, that, that binds you together, the, just knowing that those things are there. And I think it's awesome too, because, um, at the end of the day, like everyone is, everyone that's in the diabetes community knows what it's like. So I feel like, you know, when I, when my account was about my fitness, it was the same thing. Like you said, like there was trolling and like bullying and people saying like, Oh, like there's no difference in your body. Like you haven't made any transformation, you know, all those like really shameful things were happening. But the moment I changed my account over to more, um, to be diabetes focused, I saw so much more positivity and it's like what you said, like, it's just amazing how you can go onto one post and there can be thousands of comments just like of moral support and, you know, thumbs up or the likes and everything. And I think social media, like you said, can be used for such good purposes, but are often overrided and seen as such a negative thing. But I, I honestly believe that the diabetes community is the most kindest internet community <laughs> that we have going. Absolutely. I, I think more people should know that too. I think uh, it's uh, we certainly you know give a good name. I'm not not to put down any of the other communities that are out there. You're but, right. You're right. Uh, yeah, we should also note that. Yeah. Um. So now, like, let's we talked a little bit about your diagnosis. We talked a little bit about yeah. your fitness journey. Um. What's What's next for you today? Uh, you know, 16 years in. Um. You know, and and working through you know diabetes and fitness and and health and nutrition. What's the uh, What's next for you? What are you hopeful for? Uh, right now I'm actually going through an awesome, uh, life transition. I'm calling it. Um, so I just graduated in June with a major in physical and health education. 
a minor in gender equality and social justice. And I actually did an undergrad thesis on exercise and diabetes and the social barriers. So what makes diabetic or type 1 diabetics not want to exercise or feel uncomfortable exercising. So I did this really cool four-year program at my university. And I came out in June not knowing anything that I want to do. And the day I ended school, I moved in with my boyfriend in a totally new town that I don't know anyone. So the last eight months have been really about self-reflection and just growing up and accepting where I am, but striving for the future. So the first four months I really struggled because I didn't know anyone. I wasn't really feeling comfortable at the job that I was at, even though I was really valued there. And I just didn't have like that support system that I was used to in my university town. Um, so it was difficult for me. But the last, I'd say since September, I really started to, um, taking the time to reflect and to appreciate what I have and to understand that, you know, right now I'm waitressing and bartending and I'm supervising at a, you know, healthy food place, but I'm happy there and I'm really starting to be okay with where I am. Um, and I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I think also accepting that is okay. And I'm really trying to just learn how to be happy and present with where I am right now. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm not, and I'm like, honestly, okay with it. You know, a lot of people ask me like, oh, like you have your degree, what are you doing? And I think that's such like a hard question because, you know, school costs money and opening businesses cost money and a lot of, and a lot of expenses that aren't money based, like, you know, it's a lot of energy and with diabetes, it's, it can be difficult to do those things. So right now I'm actually just enjoying where I am. I'm thinking about the future and what I want to do, but I'm just really learning on how to love, love life where it is right now. Well, I think that's huge. And I think, um, I mean, especially now, that's a very, I guess not modern. It's modern, I, I suppose, is the right word, way to look at things. And I know that uh, mindfulness and meditation is, are, are things that have been around for years and years and years and years, um, centuries even. And so, but now I think are coming and people are putting more focus on them, realizing because through social media or, or through um, you know, so many different activities that it's really difficult to be present. Uh, and that's what causes a lot of anxiety and depression is like looking at the future or the For past sure. without, uh, without really focusing on, you know, where you are and, um, and realizing that, you know, happiness is not a place or a number in your bank account, but just like when you look at yourself in the mirror, like you just accept yourself for where you are. Um, exactly. And, that's, and, really, I, you and know, that's really important with diabetes or without it. Yeah. And my thing too is like, um, like right now I find there's so much pressure on young people, you know, to do better, to work harder, to be more. And I think that's, like you said, it causes a lot of anxiety and it caused a lot of anxiety in me. I felt like every time someone asked me like, well, are you going to do something with your degree? Like I felt a lot of pressure, even from my grandparents or like people that I love. They don't, they don't ask for, you know, to put me down, but they're just curious, but it does put a lot of pressure on you. So, and I find a lot of my friends and, you know, all these amazing people are coming out of school and they're not sure what they want to do and they're not too sure what route life wants to take for them. So for me, like, it's been very difficult, but I'm trying to just really appreciate, you know, yeah, maybe I want to buy a brand new house, but 
my boyfriend and I own a house right now and it's awesome. So maybe we'll just work on, you know, making it the way that we want it now. Or, you know, I have a car. It's not a 2016. It's a 2010. But I still have a car and I'm going to keep it clean and I'm going to take care of it. And just like my body, you know, I'm not training for fitness competitions and I'm not trying to get steel cut abs. But you know what? I'm going to appreciate that I went to the gym four times this week when I really just wanted to stay in bed. So a lot of people now have this at this age or 26, you know, or 24, we're supposed to know what we want to do, but I'm trying really hard to just be happy, 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 genuinely happy where I am. And it's hard. It is. And it, I think self-acceptance, mindfulness, like, um, you know, content are, are some of the most difficult things. And, and I think, you can't, no one can give those to you. I think. No, it's inner. Uh, it's, you have, you to, have accept to, it. you have to accept it for yourself. And yeah. So that's where I think a lot of people, um, you know, really, you know, can, get, can get caught up. A struggle. Yeah. And I think too, um, like social media, it's, it is hard, you know, you go on Instagram and your friends getting engaged and, you know, your friend just bought a house and, this random person from Australia is like on the best trip in Bali and you don't even know who they are, but somehow you find yourself, you know, degrading who you are and what you've done for yourself. But I think it's hard to just, to not get wrapped up in things, but instead just like you said, be accepting of who you are and what you're doing and, you know, appreciate what you've done for yourself. Like give yourself some credit, you know? Well, and I think also uh, nobody shares the down and out, terrible, average day to day moments, right? They only share the you know the very highlight. highly curated, high life, cropped, filtered, and um, and viscoed and hashtagged. And I mean, <laughs> I'm guilty of that as well. But I think oh, we all the, are, yeah. Um, you know, just looking at it like, hey, I know where I am, and I'm happy. And um, I'm trying to remember that quote. It was like. Uh, Come as you are. Use use what you can, or like do what you can. Anyway, I'm, I'm butchering. I'm butchering this quote. Um, I know which one you're talking about, though. But I'm not yeah, even going to try to. Billy Jean it. King, I think it was. Like, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think uh, you know, accepting yourself as who you are is, uh, and and being okay with it is is such a huge hurdle. It sounds so simple. Says easy, does hard. I think it's like if we're, if we're gonna um, you know sum it all the way up, I think we'd do it that way. No, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I want to focus on, I'm yeah, uh, oh, sorry to cut you off. I want to focus no, on good. one thing. Um, you're just going through some of your photos and comments and conversations you've had with people. Uh, you went on a trip pretty recently, uh, traveling out of, uh, out of your, your home country to like the Dominican Republic, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went on a similar trip last year. It was amazing. Um, rather than talk about that though, I want to focus on traveling as a diabetic. I know some people, um, I've seen comments, I've heard comments of like not comfortable traveling long distances or feel like they're talking themselves out of it. What do you say? What do you say to that? Um, so again, very privileged growing up. My parents sent us to the Dominican three to four times a year. I don't know if it was the people, well, I do know it was the people um, that kept gravitating us there, but growing up, we were always travelers. And even after diagnosis, my parents really um, wanted to make sure that I still lived this a very similar life to what I used to. Um, so shortly after our diagnosis, we went on a trip, and it's just all about preparing and be like thinking ahead, and um, also respecting other cultures and other countries and their rules. So for me, traveling has always been um, 
like second nature. I love to travel. It's in my blood. I, you know, I'm always on the next website to find the cheapest flight out of the country. And for me growing up, my parents just always said, you know, you just have to think ahead, think ahead. And it doesn't mean packing 700 sites or pump tubes, right? But, you know, plan ahead, think ahead, think about the things that could arise from the airport in your hometown, in the air, when you land at the airport where you're going and traveling. And my parents always taught me that you have to be able to search for your resources and use what you have. So we always grew up in going down to the Dominican and uh, we kind of just always had a plan, you know, two times the extra pump sites, we brought needles, we brought extra insulin. We learned how to say, um, I'm diabetic, I need juice or I need insulin um, in the languages that we were traveling to so we could have that in our back pocket in case we needed. It's those simple things, you know, wearing your medical alert bracelet because even on the resorts, there's bound to be people there that are first responders or people that can help you and that understand or have a cousin or a brother that are type 1 as well. So I always tell people, you know, that say, oh, I'm nervous to travel. I say diabetes is so world-renowned. You would be shocked at the amount of people that come up to you or that understand exactly what you're going through, even if they can't speak the same language as you, um, which, is, which is cool. Like I go down to the Dominican and I'm walking on the beach and someone from Russia comes walking up to me like, ah, insulin. Like, we don't know a word that each other is saying, but we're able to connect because they know what my insulin pump looks like or what it could be. So I always tell people, you know, prepare, be aware of the consequences, or not the consequences, sorry, but the, um, like, some of the situations you might run into, but don't let it hold you back because of fears of not being able to manage while overseas or even in another province, you know, or state, I guess, for you guys. Right. No, I think that's, uh, you know, the the main thing, and I, and I try to always say it, like diabetes is just one extra step, uh, whether you're going to the gym or you're going to work, whether you're, um, you know, going on a weekend trip or a month-long uh, worldwide backpacking exactly. traveling. It's just one extra step in everything you do. Um, exactly. And if you just and- keep it simple like that, and I think, you know, back to being present, like one decision at a time, no need to overthink it, no need to overreact, like you can still manage to um, exactly. get through it. And I think people forget that there are insulin, like there's insulin all across the world. Like, obviously, it's easier to access in the States or in Canada or in, you know, Australia or Europe. But at the end of the day, there's insulin everywhere. And as long as you plan ahead, you know, situations do arise. My trip that I just took in December, I was going down to the Dominican and my parents were already there and I was traveling with my boyfriend. And it was our first time um, traveling together. And I had woke up the morning of our flight with the worst flu of my entire life. I couldn't keep anything down. I couldn't stop vomiting. You know, like too much information, but both ends, like it was dreadful. And anyways, we ended up getting to the (laughs) airport and the girl at the gate was like, okay, you fly in three hours. But to be honest, like I don't feel safe putting you on a plane. And my parents were in Dominican, so I was calling them at 3 in the morning, like, they're not letting me on, I can't fly. My poor boyfriend was crying because he had no idea what was going on. He had given me the flu, so he had felt awful. 
Um, there's people staring at the airport, you know, not really understanding what was going on. And they ended up not letting me on the plane. So my boyfriend, who had never been to Dominican, jumped on a plane by himself. My parents were already down there. And I was stuck in Toronto, which is about three hours from my home, um, at the biggest airport in Canada alone with only my knapsack, which actually didn't even have my backup diabetes stuff or my health card because I was so sick that I packed it in my luggage that was already on the plane. So we were all of a sudden brought up with this crazy situation. Um, so luckily I have parents or um, like family in law. So my boyfriend's parents came to pick me up and I ended up being admitted to this Toronto hospital and I was alone and sick and I didn't have any of my extra diabetes stuff. I had my pump on me. I had, I think one extra pod and my Dexcom and that was it no health card, nothing. Um, so that ended up happening. And then the next day I went to go fly out and they had told me that they left my luggage at the airport. And when I got there, my luggage wasn't there. They couldn't access it. It had all my leftover diabetes stuff, my extra diabetes stuff. So we had this issue like of not being able to get it. And through it all though, we made plans. So my parents were down there and they had talked to the person at the front desk and made sure that there was insulin on the island. And they looked at her like she was crazy, but my mom just wanted to make sure. And there's syringes there. So worst case scenario, you know, if my luggage didn't make it down, there was still going to be stuff there. And um, it, was a, it was a trying time and it was difficult. And it definitely taught me, you know, keep everything on you and double check everything and stuff. But we, I made it down and my luggage came down the next day and everything was fine at the end of the day. But it's those little things like just preparing and like you said, just one extra step. But those things happen and you have to just make sure that you think it through and that you are proactive about taking the next step forward. Well, and I think, you know, through all of that, uh, you know, which was I mean, I couldn't design a like a worse <laughs> a worst case travel scenario. If it was uh, crazy, like, you know, you couldn't you couldn't script that out any worse. Right. So and, and everything was still OK, you know, and, and it I was think- still OK. And I, you know, I had one bathing suit for the first three days and, you know, I had my pod that was on me and I had my Dexcon. But like I had three extra needles. I think that was it. But at the end of the day, it was still OK. And you know, I learned my lesson. I've been down to the Dominican, I think 50 times. I've been overseas three times to Europe. Like I have traveled so much, but I just was so sick that I didn't even think about what I was doing when I put my whole purse and everything into my luggage. Like, but like you said, at the end of the day, it's all okay. Like everything will be okay. And that's my best advice for everyone is that you will be okay. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I think like, you know, I don't know how you top that for, um, you know, for any other interview question, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that's the, that's the big message to take away. And I think that's um, what I love that um, so many people are, are willing to share. And, uh, you know, thanks for so, so much for coming on the show and uh, for sharing your story and uh, for being really even brutally honest at times talking about the flu. I think we all need to talk about that like that and uh, and for putting yeah, it. Yeah, because that happens. Yeah, it does. It happens often. And especially when it's not like, you know, traveling that day and then getting the flu that morning, like not definitely not what I planned on happening. But, you yeah. know, those things arise and that's but that's just part of our lives. And back to the whole acceptance thing that we talked about like 40 minutes ago, you know, 
that we have to accept that that's part of that's part of diabetes but at the same time it makes it fun and you just kind of have to roll with the punches as i sometimes yeah yeah absolutely well thanks so much for coming on and um it's great to meet you and uh we'll look forward to following your journey if uh if our listeners don't know where to follow you uh where should uh, where can they find you online on social media website oh okay my diabetes instagram is called average erica and there's a double e in the middle so it's a v e r a g e e r i k a so it's the fun the fun way to spell erica (laughs) (laughs) well thanks so much for coming on and uh thanks guys thanks again for listening to diabetics doing things i'm gonna try a new thing i'm gonna start sending out a friday newsletter with just my thoughts for the week and some questions that you guys have asked either on social media or with that you emailed me so if you want to do that just subscribe on the website diabeticsdoingthings.com see you again next time